Hey, uh, open your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter 21. That's where we'll be today. Uh, if you're new to Refuge, one of the things that we uh, value high here is, uh, is uh, uh, expository preaching. I, I, I don't know what I was about to say, but expository preaching is a high value for us here at Refuge. So that's verse-by-verse preaching, story-by-story preaching through the text. And so sometimes people can say, man, can't that be boring? And so we certainly hope it's not boring. We say that boring preaching is sinful. And so we don't want, to, we don't want the preaching to be boring at all. And so uh, we'll try not to let that be the case for sure. But we do think it's valuable for us to go through the text line by line, verse by verse, because God has recorded it for us and he has given it to us for our edification for our good, and so that's why we preach in that particular manner. Uh, so some scriptures, as we know, are a little bit more difficult to understand than others. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, some texts that you get to uh, as you read them, don't you kind of shake your head or kind of turn your head a little bit and go, huh, I'm not exactly sure what that means. I'm not exactly sure what that story is about. Many times we have a tendency to just kind of brush right on by it and go on. And, and so that's okay sometimes. Uh, but today is one of those texts, I think, at least for me, that I go, I'm not exactly sure what the deal is here. Um, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what it's supposed to mean. But after we get through it, hopefully it will be a little bit clearer to you as it was to me as, we, as I studied it this week. So Genesis chapter 21 uh, we'll pick up in verse 8 uh, as we study our text. Here's what it says. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen with me. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. The thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says of you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him in a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of my child. And as she sat opposite of him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy and the angel that God called to Hagar from the heaven and said of her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand. I will make him to, him to a great nation. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up lived in the wilderness, he became an expert with a bow. He lived in the wilderness of, of Paran, and his, mother took, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So we're going to stop our reading right there. Let me pray for us again. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, help us to understand today. Help us to understand what it is that you're teaching us today. Holy Spirit, it is my prayer today that, that surely someone has walked in today that's outside the household of faith. And today might be their day of salvation, that you remove the blinders from their eyes. You awaken their dead hearts to the gospel. 
that today might be their day of salvation. Do it, God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's jump back into our text, uh, right where it picks up. We'll pick up in verse 8. Here's what the text says. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. So, so verse 8 says, Abraham threw a party. Hey, right? Who likes a party? Yep, I like to party. You like to party. Uh, we all like to have a party. We like to have birthday parties. And so that's basically what was happening. So this is kind of the way an Old Testament version of social media, it seems like something that a mom would put on her page. It would probably be something like this. A little Scotty is finally weaned, you know, hashtag relief, hashtag real food, hashtag finally, hashtag feast. Uh, so that's what it would be like today if we were recording this. If they had social media back then, that's exactly what they would have put. There's no doubts in my mind. I think it's on some papyrus somewhere along the way. Um, uh, but parents, or should I say moms in particular, uh, do you remember when your child was weaned? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do. It's like a big relief day. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of, whoo, I am free. I am like freed up. Somebody else can give this child some, you know, uh, some little Gerber uh, bites now, <laughs> and they can eat some uh, creamed carrots or whatever it is that they might get at the time. Um, uh, but, but, but even if nobody else around you is celebrating, you were celebrating, right, moms? Come on now. Yeah, okay, there you are, there you are. So it seemed like what was being recorded in verse 8 was just that very thing, a family celebrating a, a real milestone and some much-deserved rest for, remember, Sarah was over 100 years old at this point, and so she needed a little bit of rest from, uh, from nursing her child at such an advanced age. And, but then trouble is brewing on the Genesis episode of Sister Wives, and this is what, uh, this is what the text goes on to say in verse 9. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham laughing. And so what this says is Sarah saw Ishmael laughing, okay? Ishmael is the son of Hagar by Abraham. And so Sarah sees him laughing. And she assumes that, that he is laughing at the celebration that they put up. Like, she, like he's laughing and he, they're watch, he's watching him make a big deal over this baby. And he's like, ha, 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 that's so silly. Why would they be doing stuff like this over this big celebration for a baby? Why would they throw such an elaborate celebration for a baby? Now, let me sidebar here and say this. I know many of you throw crazy celebrations for your kids, don't you? Nod your head like this. Yeah, crazy celebrations. And I'll just be honest, I'm one of those guys that stands over and I'm like Ishmael laughing in the corner going, oh my gosh, this is the craziest party that I've ever seen for a four-year-old, you know, that, uh, that somebody has done. I, we, we have a policy. One of my craziest things that I despised a lot was gift bags at a party. You've heard me say that if you're at Refuge, you know that I cannot despise, that I despise gift bags at a party. Like if you come to my kid's party on their birthday, you expect me to give you a gift to your kid for coming? Gift bags are the craziest thing in the world. If you give them, stop it. Just stop it. Stop giving gift bags to people coming to your kid's party. Your kid should get the gift. Anyway, let me get back on this term. Uh, um, uh, so so uh, Ishmael is like, uh, so she assumes Ishmael is laughing at whatever's going on. And, and the scripture does say that he laughs, and we'll find out that, yes, there was some laughter going on. Uh, but we get to that thing, that word that is really uh, uh, gets, we don't use it a lot, but we do it a lot. You know what it is? Assuming, right? 
we assume a lot of things in our life. No matter what the situation is around us, all of us assume in a lot of situations. You know what assuming does? It makes you say dumb stuff from misplaced feelings. I don't know what you're thinking, but, but it makes you say dumb stuff from misplaced feelings. When you have misplaced feelings, uh, it makes you do dumb stuff. So if, you're mis- if your misplaced feeling is anger, what will that make you do? Usually it makes you retaliate in some kind of over-the-top manner. So if if my misplaced feeling is anger, suddenly I'm going to have anger when I shouldn't, it'll make me retaliate for no reason. Or if my misplaced feeling is fear, like something happens and my misplaced feeling, I shouldn't be fearful, but I am fearful, it makes me uh, uh, defend myself unnecessarily. I'm afraid, so clearly I've got to defend myself unnecessarily. Or if my misplaced feeling is nervousness, then it makes me say things that are unnecessary. Like you, you may have been around a nervous talker. You know what a nervous talker is? Yeah, well, I, I've got a couple of examples of nervous talkers. Uh, or really one big example. One of mine and Carol's first dates that we went on, um, we met my oldest daughter, Leanna, and her boyfriend, Jackson. And we met for dinner, and then we went and grabbed some ice cream afterwards. And Leanna talked the entire time. I mean, I'm not sure she took a breath for the entire three and a half hours we worked. I'm not even exaggerating here. Am I exaggerating? I'm not exaggerating here. I'm not sure she took a breath for three and a half hours because she was so nervous meeting Carol for the first time. And she was just... I mean, we literally could not get a word in edgewise. We got in the car and closed the door and I was like, whoa, oh my goodness. That's a lot of words. She told me that whenever they got in the car, her boyfriend Jackson was like, could you have talked any more? <laughs> she was so nervous, but, but we do that, right? Whenever we get nervous, we just we say a lot of uh, we got to say a lot of words over and over again. We use a, we say a lot of unnecessary things, or um, when your misplaced feelings is you feel like you're losing, you may want to brush off what other people are saying. Like if I feel like I'm losing in something, then I'll just brush you off because I don't want to feel like I'm a loser. Or if my misplaced Feelings are feeling like I've got to keep up with the Kardashians. Uh, it makes you do unnecessary things, right? If you feel like you've got to keep up, keep up with the Joneses is the, the other way to say that. It'll make you do unnecessary things. And so when we assume things about people rather than knowing things about people, it makes us do crazy things. And I'm sure Sarah's miraculous motherhood caused her to regret giving Abe a hall pass with her servant, Right? I, that's, that's essentially what happened. I, so I'm sure that now she's got a baby. I'm sure she's looking over there going, this is the dumbest idea I've ever had in my entire life. Why in the world was I thinking to give him the okay to go and do something like this? You know, and, and there, her emotions started playing into this situation and her emotions started coming out and doing these things. And when she saw Ishmael laughing, she assumed that he was laughing at her. So when she saw Ishmael mocking her new family, Mama Bear came out. I mean, 
I'm sure that Sarah was ready to cuss like a teacher in 2020 or something, you know. I mean, that's for you, John, guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, with all the overwhelming things, I'm sure she was just overwhelmed with things like, what in the world is going on here? What in the world is happening here? I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is what I'm letting happen. Look what it says in verse 10. So when, she, so when all seeing all this, she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. What did Mama Bear do when she sees this? She does a few things. First, she lashes out at her perceived enemy. So suddenly, uh, uh, Hagar is her perceived enemy. No matter, what, no matter what's happened, she, she is now enemy number one. So she lashes out at her perceived enemy. Then she cries out to her husband, hey, you got to do something. This woman has done something, and you've got to do something now. So she showed out. Right? She showed up. She's making some demonstrative statements. She's like, get this woman out of here. I'm sure her hands are in the air like this. You got to get her out of here. I don't want to see her anymore. And then lastly, she just basically said, get out. Get out of my sight. So she lashes out. She cried out. She showed out. And she said, get out. Take your kid. Take your clothes. Take your chalice and get. I mean, just get out of here. That's what you got to do. So Sarah reacted out of anger from her own perceived conclusions. Listen to that. Sarah reacted out of anger from her own perceived conclusions. And so how many times do we do that? How many times do we snap to conclusions about people? How many times do we make a judgment about people right away? We hear a piece of what someone says. We see people do something and we make our own judgments about what their motives are. We gauge someone's reactions based off of what we think we would do in that particular situation. We assign bad motives to people in a situation. It's easy to see in someone else. Much more difficult to see in ourselves. One of the many reasons we need each other one of the many reasons that we say it's important for you to live in community with one another. It's, one, it's an important reason that we don't do Lone Ranger Christianity because we, I need you to tell me when I'm messing up. I've got a good set of friends that don't mind telling me whenever I'm messing up. I hope you have a good set of friends too that will tell you that very thing. If you don't, get new friends or be that friend. Be that friend that says, man, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey girl, uh-uh. That's, that's, not, that's not in the step of the gospel. You need, we all need friends that are willing to do that. That happens in this church, in our gospel community groups. Find one, get in one. If you're new to Refuge Church, ask us how to get in one. We'll tell you how to find a gospel community, how to be with people that will encourage you along the way in this life. And this perceived and misguided conclusions were happening all in our text today. Abraham kind of misplaced his affections. He had, he had a lot of affections towards his son. His wife was telling him something. He was like, I don't know about this. Look what the text says in verse 11. And this thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. He's like, wait, I, I love my son. I, I don't want to put my son away. I, he was hoping that his two baby mamas could get along. And, but, but clearly, he had never seen those versions of, you know, Maury or anything, baby mamas just don't get along. I mean, living in the same house, are you kidding me? Uh, they, he just knew that wasn't going to work. And so uh, we're in a real conundrum in the text, real conundrum in the scriptures. And we get to two words that I think are important. What does it say in verse 12? What's two verse, first words? 
Yeah, but God, right? Those are the ones you ought to circle. Anytime you see them, I've said this before over and over, when you see those in the scriptures, circle them because God is about to give some instructions. He's about to do something. He's about to intervene. Something's about to be different about the situation. That's what it says. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Do not be displeased because of your son or because of the slave woman. It's interesting. When I get to but God, I would have thought God was about to do something and really fix the situation. I mean, I, when I see that, I think, oh, he's about to make this all kind of, just kind of sum up and wrap up in some nice little thing. But that's not what God does in this text. God says, let this play out. Let this play out because I've got a plan. Let the slave woman be cast out. Let her be put away. But don't get all bent out of shape because things aren't going your way, Abraham. Just trust what I'm telling you. Don't be mad because things are upset or, because, or upset because of what I'm telling you to do. Just do what Sarah's telling you to do in this situation. And remember, it's through Isaac that my offspring will be fulfilled, that my promise will be fulfilled. So we got to remember that God keeps his promises. Even in our sin, God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. He's going to make Ishmael a great nation. Look, look what it says. Let's, let's keep reading this text, and we'll see what God chooses to do uh, with, this, with this continued, with, uh, with Ishmael. And I will make a great nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. See what he said? I'm going to make a great nation out of him too. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, put it on, on her shoulder. Hey, here you go. Carry your food, carry your water, gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away and she departed and watered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Strange, right? Put her away. Here, carry your own stuff and mosey on along. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she sat down and opposite him in a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. She said, let me not look on the death of my child. She's like, I don't want to watch him die. I don't want to watch him starve to death in the wilderness. I don't want to watch him die of thirst in the wilderness. She sat opposite him and she lifted up her voice and wept. Of course, right, moms? She's wailing, crying. She said, lifted up her voice. She's crying out loud over her son. God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called out to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. See, God said, hey, let me show you something. Here's a well of great water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And, and God was with the boy and he grew up and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with a bow. And he lived in the wilderness Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So again, God said, I'm going to make a great nation even out of him. I'm going to make Isaac a great nation, and I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation. See, God's not in the cancel culture. It's not how God rolls. God's not in... The cancel culture. 2020 has brought on such a disappointing cancel culture. 
Know what that is? We can just kind of do something and suddenly people are done with you. Especially if you're in the spotlight. If you're in the spotlight or you're trying to do some things or uh, people that are in the spotlight are, are people who are trying to make a difference or mostly people who are trying to make a better way or they're investing in the lives of others or people who don't sit on the sidelines or people who are involved in doing things. And we love these people most of the time, right? We love people who are out trying to do things, that are out trying to make a name for themselves, out trying to do something for others, or out trying to earn a living, play sports, or whatever the thing is. We love those people most of the time. Until one misstep. In today's culture, it's bam, you're done, you're through, you're out. That's the culture we live in today, right? The cancel culture. And so it's kind of like it was in the biblical text. One misstep in one person's opinion, and they wanted nothing to do with them. Cancel them. Or as Sarah says, cast out this slave woman with her son. Get rid of them. I don't want to see them anymore. I'm just going to say this. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that this church is not a cancel culture church. I'm thankful that you didn't have a cancel culture with me. I'm thankful that one misstep in my own life that you didn't hold to the cancel culture. I'm thankful that you are a forgiving church. You said, you know what? There's grace for those kinds of things. I'm thankful that in my own life, with my own missteps, that you could have embraced the culture around us. You could have condemned me. You could have put me away but you chose the gospel way. You chose the way of faith. You chose the way of Jesus. See, Jesus is the one who went to the outcasts. Jesus is the one who went to those who were overshadows. Jesus is the one who went to the sinners. Jesus is the one who went to the wayward. And just remember, and our cause, so I'm thankful for you for that. Just remember, the God that we serve is not in the cancel culture business. That's not who he is today. God is not in the cancel culture business. God doesn't abandon us. God doesn't drop us. God doesn't rescind our family name whenever we mess up. He doesn't take his name away and say, I'm done with you. Once we have his family name, we are always his, right? We always belong to him. God is in the promise culture. God is in the keeping culture. God is in the always keeping us culture. In this Genesis account, what really seemed like a blessing ended up being a curse. The blessing of a baby, which was Ishmael, put Hagar at odds with Sarah and Isaac. And so Sarah sends Hagar and Ishmael away. And again, this can seem like harsh treatment uh, to them in that particular time. And, and if this were only the story and we just only had this story to go by, I would agree with you. Because as I was reading it in the beginning, I was like, I need to understand this a little bit better. I know there's a reason behind this. I just can't really figure out exactly why this is the case. But we have to remember, the Bible interprets the Bible, right? Whenever we're understanding a biblical text or a biblical understanding, we have to remember that the Bible interprets the Bible. We don't take 2020 culture and interpret the Bible, okay? That's not what we do. 
We let the Bible interpret the Bible that will help speak into our own lives today. And so this, uh, 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 to understand this, we have to understand this in the story of redemption. And this text helps us to understand the difference in living in the flesh and living by the Spirit. Okay, listen, don't lose me, because this is where all this comes together. Living in the flesh and living by the Spirit. Living, uh, living life guided by our own, own wants and desires and living our lives guided by the Holy Spirit. And you're like, say what, Scott? What are you talking about? Well, the Apostle Paul speaks of this very episode, this episode in Genesis 21, in his New Testament letter to the church at Galatia. So if you want to turn over to Galatians, that's where we're going to go. I'm going to have the text on the screen. But this is really, Paul helps us understand this a little bit better whenever he writes about it in Galatians. Now, Galatians was the first book of the Bible that we preached through here at Refuge. 37 weeks in Galatians. Whew. I mean, that was almost verse by verse, week by week. Um, but we spent 37 weeks in Galatians. And so understanding Galatians helps us understand Genesis. Understanding New Testament text helps us understand this Old Testament text. And it helps us understand the culture uh, or cultural insights in uh, the law versus spirit divide. And so Paul in the New Testament letter to Galatians, he was really perplexed with the Galatians during that time. And so what had happened is, uh, what happened was, uh, <laughs> um, there were new Christians in that day in Galatia, and so they had come to know Jesus, but they were having trouble, and they were going back, they were going back and forth between their old Jewish customs and then living in the Spirit. And so they were kind of going back and forth between, okay, I'm, I'm trusting in this resurrected Jesus, but I also want to go back and hold on to my parts of the law that I've just been so familiar with. That I, so, so we're going back and forth between, hey, how do I stay in the Spirit versus my comfortable place in following the law? That's what Galatians is really writing about. And, and so Paul would say in this, uh, what was begun by the Spirit, is it still being perfected by the law? So it was like, hey, if the Spirit has saved you, do you think the law is making you more perfect? And he was like, no, 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 that's not the way this works at all. That's... I'll get, I'll get off of Galatians because I love it a lot. But let's look at Galatians and see what it says about this particular Genesis text. Look in verse 21 in chapter 4. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? And so he was saying, hey, you want to be under the law, people? You, you know what the law is telling you? The law is telling you you can't keep it. You can't do it. And so you really want to go back under something that you can't do? That's what, that's what he's basically saying in Galatians as he is here in chapter 4. And then um, verse 22, he says this, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen? Oh, sorry, verse 22. Uh, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. For it is written that Abraham... Sorry, uh, my, I'm, I'm lagging here. Uh, For the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. So he said that the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh. That's Ishmael. And he says, but the son of the free woman was born according to the promise. So that's Isaac. Okay, so he's talking about our story that we just read. Verse 23. Uh, excuse me, verse 24. Uh, sorry, I'm struggling up here with my slides so you'd be able to read them. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. 
These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. So he's explaining it here. And he says, you got to understand this Old Testament story as an allegory. So it's telling us something. It's, trying, it's putting a story together for us to understand a truth and a promise. He says, those women are two covenants. So he's saying that, that a Hagar uh, is one covenant and, the sla- uh, uh, and Sarah is another covenant. So he's saying that Hagar is the old covenant, that's the law, and Sarah is the new covenant, which is life in Christ. You've got to understand these. Uh, so, and he says that one is from Mount Sinai, which he's talking about the law, he's talking about the Ten Commandments, and bearing children in slavery, she is Hagar. And then he says this, he says this, now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Verse 26. I'm just going to keep reading. I have no idea if this is following me or not. Verse 26. But the, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear, break, who does not bear. Break forth and cry out aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those who are the one who than those of the one who has a husband. Verse 28. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. You hear what he's saying? He's telling the new people at Galatia, you are like Isaac. Going back to our text that we had today, you are like Isaac. You are children of the promise, verse 29. But just as that time, he who was born according to the flesh, which is Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, which is Isaac. We talked about that. That's what was happening. He was making fun of him. Ha, ha, ha. Remember, he's laughing at him. He said he persecuted him. And so now, verse 30, but what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Verse 31. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So he's telling the people in Galatia, he's telling people who are part of the promise, and if he's telling you and me today that we are not part of the line of Ishmael if we're in Christ Jesus, we are not part of the flesh, that we are part of the free because we are part of the promise if we are in Christ Jesus. Will you track with me there? Are you tracking with me so far? All right, so that, that's a, I know that's a lot of stuff and we're going deep into biblical interpretation, but this, you need to understand this. Whether you're in Christ or outside of Christ, this is you in this story. All of you are, are one of the two in this story. You are either part of the flesh or you are part of the promise. And so you need to fi- figure out which one of you are in this story. That's why this is so important. You have to know which, which covenant are you a part of. And then uh, chapter 5, verse 1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul writes to the Galatians and says, Look, don't go back under the law. Don't go back under trying to do it yourself. Don't submit to that again. You are now a free man. You are a free woman in Christ Jesus. For Freedom, Christ has set us free. That's what Galatians is really all about. So looking back, it was clear that God was telling Abraham to let go of the flesh, let go of the man-made ways, because that, that's what had happened. Abraham tried to do it on his own. See? See how it's course? Come on, is that making some eyes open? Abraham tried to do it on his own. Abraham tried to make the promise come by his own might. He was like, no, no, let that go. We're going to put them away. He, he said... Uh, and so then he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. You, you're trying to operate in your flesh to get the, the blessing, but the blessing is going to come through me. 
You're not going to do this on your own merit. You're not going to do the work of God by the flesh. Only the work of God happens by his own might and by his own promise and by his own word. And Paul writes to Galatians in the same way. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so this passage hopefully is helping us, this New Testament passage is helping us understand what they were writing about in the Old Testament. So it begs this question for each of us today. Is your salvation secure by your own merit? Listen, this is important. Listen, listen. Is your salvation secure by your own merit? That's what this story is teaching us. Are you trying to do what Abraham did with the, the slave woman to create his own family, to create his own future, to secure his own future by his own hand? Is that what you're depending on for your future? Are you trying to do it on your own? Are you trying to muster up enough righteousness within yourself to secure your salvation on your own? Hey, I'm just trying to live a good life. I'm just trying to do more good than I am bad. I'm just trying and hope one day when I get to heaven that God's going to let me in because I've done more good. If that's what you're doing, you are a child of the flesh. You will be cast out. You will not spend eternity in the loving arms of God. You will spend eternity facing the wrath of God. You will be cast out. That's, that's what this story is about. It's a warning for us, church. It's a warning for you and me. Are we trying to do this on our own? Is the promise secure by your ability to do it and obey it? Are you trying to do it on your own? I'm telling you, you know why you can't do it? Because Jesus requires perfection. Is your hope built on your own self-made plan? God says your hope and your, and your salvation must be by his own restrictions, the way that he has put things in order. By keeping all, he says, you must keep the law perfectly. You must do everything perfectly. God demands perfection out of you. To be right in relationship with him, he demands perfection out of you. And all of you stink at that. And so do I. We all stink at being perfections or being perfect because we can't. We fail. We sin. We sin today. You sinned last night. We sin right. You may be sinning now. But we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so our calling is to cast out the flesh and trust the promises of God. My hope is built on nothing less than what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, meaning my own, anything that I got, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. God has made his covenant promise in his, by his offspring, Jesus. That's the gospel message for you and me today. And the old, this Old Testament text points us to that very truth. Our best laid plans uh, are uh, insufficient for our own salvation. See, Ishmael, again, was not part of the promise our own plans to try to do it our own way, no matter how good they may seem, have to be cast aside for, 
in exchange for the way and the truth and the life. And his name is Jesus. You know, it's interesting that God did not let Ishmael die. He, he preserved Ishmael in his lineage. Why do you think he did that? Why do you think that we read the last part of that chapter of Genesis to keep Ishmael alive? Here, here's what I think. Because Ishmael represents what? Begins with an L, ends with A-W. Law, yeah, yeah, good work. Yeah, so he, he, is, he is representing the law of God. So, so the law of God is not dead, right? The law of God still stands today, and that's what we have to compare ourselves to. Are we keeping, can we keep, and do we keep the law of God? And so Ishmael represents that. Ishmael represents the law, and so the law is alive, and the law of God is good, and the law of God is perfect, and that gives us requirements that we're called to live by. And so that is still alive and well today, and a reminder that we can't be, we can't live in that world and live, that we desperately need the child of the promise. We desperately need the one who was to come to rescue us from the tyranny of the law, that the law must be cast out of our own lives and pick up the child of the promise. And that is Jesus. See, God has compassion for sinful people. He has compassion for sinful people all through this text. He has compassion for Abraham. He has compassion for Sarah. He has compassion for Hagar. And, and so my question is, who are the sinful people in your story? I'll answer that for you. It's you. Okay? Who, are, uh, who does God make provision for in your story? I'll answer that one for you. It's you. God makes, you're the sinful person in your story and God makes provision for sinful people. That's what he does. That's the story of the scripture that God is making provision for sinful people. See, God, Jesus has compassion for sinful people like you. Whenever we run to him in our guilt, whenever we express our desires in anger, or whenever we just overflow with all these things that we can't, uh, throwing our hands in the air in our sorrow, it is Jesus who runs to us in compassion. God runs to us in grace, even in our folly, even in our anger, even in our regrets, God is working. God is working. He's still working. God is working on me. That, that's true. It's still happening. He is working. He is doing a work in and among and around you. He is drawing some of you. That God working, he is drawing it. He is opening your eyes to this very story today to know that you are a child of the flesh and that you will be cast out unless you repent and believe. See, God has a plan to save his people. He had a plan in the Old Testament, had a plan in the New Testament, he has one today. And so don't trust in your own ways to be right with God. Don't trust in your own righteousness to be right with God. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You may have been trying on your own to muster up your own righteousness, you may be stealing the, still be running the rat race, hoping that one day that God's going to accept your running, running, and, and doing better and trying harder for him. But know that uh, if you depend on your own self and your own good and your own righteousness uh, and hoping that God will accept you one day, let this text be a warning to you. Listen, I'll be closed. God will cast you out if you are not a partaker of the promise. 
God will cast you out if you are not a partaker of the promise. This story is given for our instruction. Grace makes us accepted. Our paltry efforts on our own will have us cast out. How are we partakers of the promise? We repent of our sins. We say, I'm sinned against a a great and mighty God. We believe the gospel that our only hope in righteousness is Jesus, that Jesus came and lived the life that is required by God. Sinless, he lived a sinless life that we can't live. He died the death that you and I deserve to die, which means, and listen, what that means is not that we deserve to be crucified, but on the cross, the wrath of God was laid on Jesus. So he died that death and endured the wrath of God that you and I deserve. And so when we put our, and then the Bible said that three days later, he was raised from the dead. And now he is ever interceding on our behalf at the right hand of God. The scripture says, whenever we believe that is true, whenever we go, I'm a sinner and I recognize that in my sin, that I'll never be right with God. And that I need the righteousness of Jesus, that he came and lived that life that I just talked about. And I need his righteousness given to me. And the only way we do that is to repent of our sins, to turn from our sins and say, I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus' righteousness. Save me, Lord. That's whenever we become part of the family of God. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you are trying to live on your own. Some of you play in this Christian game. You've, you, you're just kind of walking through and you call yourself a Christian, but there's nothing about you in your life that would, would say that I'm a Christian. And some of you are going to end up the way of Ishmael. You're going to be cast out. And so I implore you today to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Be part of his family. Be part of the promise. That's the invitation from God to you today. Let me pray for us.